Greetings and blessings in the name of the Lord. It is indeed a blessing to be in his house again and to share this time with you in our worship with the Lord, of uh, of and to the Lord. I want to say, first of all, amen and amen to our devotional. Thank you, Brother Leon, for uh, speaking my thoughts. And um, I thought to myself, we ought to just turn this man loose and let him preach to us. I think we'd have come out about the same here. But I I was blessed by that. And uh, has been the avenue in which the Lord has taken my thoughts as well. And uh, yes, as we look back, we see things that uh, wished would be different, but we also see many blessings and um, glories that the Lord has bestowed upon us, and we dare not forget that. Dare not forget those blessings that God has shared with us, and so we rejoice in that. One of the things, may I just say on the onset here, a bit distracted before we get into the sermon, one of the things that uh, the Lord has uh, impressed upon me and uh, through the events of the past year and so forth is just to uh, uh, be more compassionate and and helpful, less self-centered. Um, just this past week, again, just just starkly reminded that uh, we cannot we cannot afford to let things just slide. Um, neighbor next door to us uh, passed away of a heart attack Wednesday Wednesday evening. Um, had a massive heart attack. We went to his house to his brother's from his house to his brother's house, and. Um, yeah, it was it was very sudden. Uh, he did have heart trouble. We all knew that he had health issues, and and his time was very limited. Uh, and yet uh, he had been doing quite well. But um, Wednesday evening, he or Wednesday afternoon, he passed away suddenly. Uh, yeah, he, he claimed to be a good man. He was a Baptist man. He claimed to be a good man, claimed to know about the Lord and so forth. But I'm not quite sure his regularity of attending church and so forth. Um, I know we've had some talks. I did some work for them, and and I know we've 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 talked about those things. But Oh, I feel bad in the sense I just haven't gotten over there and just made a point of just talking to him about the Lord. Does he know? Does he understand? <clears throat> well, we dare not be too hard on ourselves, but let that be a challenge. Uh, it is to me. I want to take that as a challenge. And so those that we meet, our neighbors, those that we work with, um, our friends and families, let's not allow opportunities to slip away from us because the day is coming when we'll not have those opportunities. I feel bad about that. Well, I'm going to leave that in the hands of God. Um, 
It's not my call. It's not my call to make that judgment. And I'm glad, eternally glad that it's not. I'm simply going to leave that in the hands of God and his relationship with him. But I am challenged to make use of every opportunity. I'm taking the text passage this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 10 and 11. It is the the story where where Moses... um, had been up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and God was gracious to his children and giving Moses the Ten Commandments and the laws, and he wrote the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. The children of Israel were gathered around this golden calf that they had uh, put together, and Aaron had molded for them. They were dancing and worshiping this calf, and Moses said, uh, what's going on down there? I hear something, something going on. And, and uh, Joshua and Moses conversed about that. And God says, Moses, get down from the mount, get down on the mount. And um, these people are in uh, worshiping idols and so forth. And God was upset with his people, his chosen people. And he said to Moses, I'm going to wipe them clean off the earth. And Moses interceded and pled with God because of his covenant with Abraham. And God was gracious and repented of the evil that he thought to do to his people. And he did it not. And uh, we, see, we see Moses as a type of Christ our Lord in interceding on our behalf. Yes, beloved, we might as well be honest and admit, confess that there have been times when we've been dancing around the golden calf. God has been gracious enough, loving and merciful enough, and his goodness led us to repentance. And we become a child of his. I've entitled the message, Go In and Possess the Land. The Exhortations from Moses. Reading from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 10, and following. And I stayed in the mount according to the first time forty days and forty nights, and the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also, and the Lord would not destroy thee. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may know that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, 
and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow and loveth the stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude." Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children, which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all, this land, all his land. When, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place. And what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt, from whence thou came out, where thou sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain of your land into his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between, thine, between your eyes." 
And he shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and, and, and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea, shall, be your, shall your coasts be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gizram, and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Are there not other? Are they not on the other side Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down, in the land of the Canaanites, which dwelt in the in the champaign over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Morah? For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. And ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. Now the children of Israel were a very special people. We talked about that in our Sunday school lesson. The children of Israel were descendants of Abraham. And Abraham was a man of God. God had chosen to use Abraham as the father of his children, of his nation. And we, in a spiritual sense, God has abolished that covenant with the children of Israel. And we, today, as a child of His, are, his, are the spiritual Jews, are the spiritual children of His. And Moses here, it, it struck me as I thought about the, the, the arrogancy and the prideful uh, hearts of the Jews in Jesus' day. When, when the Jews said to Jesus that they, that they are the seed of Abraham, and Jesus said to them that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so, you and I might be classified as stones, but we're a child of His. I'm glad that God is able to take rocks, hard rocks, and break them up and make them a child of His. Yes, Moses admonishes the children of Israel, don't be deceived. Oh, he tells them of God's goodness. He says he reminds them of all the good things that God had done to them in the past. 
And he's exhorting them to go in and possess the land. And he reminds them, he reminds them that God is going to do for them great and mighty works just as he did in the past. He will do in the future. It is all dependent on their obedience to him. They loving God, they serving him. Oh, was it because the children of Israel was such good people? No, no, no. No, it was a covenant, it was an expression of God's love to Abraham that he chose his seed after him to be his people. And so it is the expression of God's love that you and I are a child of his. And the responsibility for a child of his is to love him, to serve him with all his heart, that we heed the exhortation of Moses of old, that we love him. We serve him. Thereby he gives us the power to go in and possess the land. Go in and possess the land. I'm taking that text, that, that, that uh, title from verse 8. Therefore, therefore, you have seen all these great acts of the Lord, Moses said to the children of Israel. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong. Strong. Oh, beloved, there's so much in this passage. But may we just notice, may we just notice that possibly, could it be, I'm simply asking the question, could it be that the lack of strength in our Christian walk is that we do not keep all the commandments of the Lord as He commanded us this day. We see how the children of Israel went from being recipients of God's blessing and yes, the, the rain coming on the land of Canaan, giving them all these good things. We've seen, well, we haven't seen. I guess we could say we've seen with our spiritual eyes. How that Israel turned away from God and it made a land that was barren. God shut up the heavens in Elijah's day for three and a half years. Can you imagine? How can a person survive with that, way, with that kind of a, of, a, of a climate where there's no food being produced? I wonder. I wonder how did Israel ever survive those three and a half years of no rain? Yes, the children of Israel start all with Abraham back in those days when God made this covenant with Abraham. And God says to Abraham that I know that you will command your children after me. What a testimony. What a testimony. Did Abraham ever falter? Yes, he did. But Abraham believed God. The Bible tells us that it was counted unto him for righteousness. Moses reflects the story of how there was only 70 souls that went down to Egypt. We well know the story. But there's something interesting that I want to point out here about the land of Egypt. Do we realize that God, and I'm just, I'm just marvel, I just marvel again. I'm just humbled again at God's greatness and His marvelous plan for His people. 
in, in taking them, taking Abraham to the land of Canaan and, and then his sons back to the land of Egypt. And they lived there for 400 some years. And, and then, then as he led them through the wilderness over to the land of Canaan and at all of those experiences and so forth, just marvel, just marvel at the greatness of God and his love for his people. <clears throat> But I I was just struck with the fact that the land of Egypt was of value because of Joseph. Now let me explain. The land of Egypt was really no different than any other land. We well remember the story how that Joseph and his brothers were at odds. And Joseph revealed the story about the dreams that he had, and his brothers hated him for it. And the day came when they took advantage of the opportunity. They sold Joseph to Ishmaelites on their way to Egypt. And he ended up, um, let me say this right, he ended up in Potiphar's house. Joseph had some struggles there. He ended up in the prison house. And then he ended up being the next to Pharaoh, the king. Because of his revelation of the dreams that Pharaoh had. Now there there was now because of that revelation of that dream, you see, all of this is not about Pharaoh. All of this is not about Joseph. All this is not necessarily about the children of Israel. But this whole plan was about God himself. And the miraculous work that he was about to do. Well, not just that year. And not just the seven years following. Or the 14 years following. But the years and years following after that. God had all of that in plan. You think about thinking ahead. We think it's quite a deal to think ahead, think a year ahead. A farmer's famous words is, well, there's always next year. But the thing of it is, do you realize that God thinks eternities ahead? Well, I say that for lack of understanding. Really, there's no eternities, plural. But God thinks in years advance, 400,000 Thousands of years, God looks ahead. God plans ahead. Well, Joseph was there and he rose. And God says, I'm going to bless the land for seven years. I'm going to bless it abundantly. And then there will be seven years of famine. And Joseph was a key player in making the land of Egypt a prosperous land. Had it not been for for Joseph, had it not been for God's mighty work, first of all, but had it not been for Joseph, the land of Egypt would have been as barren as any other land in the the community, in in the then known world. In the surrounding areas, they lavished The seven plentiful years. But the seven years of drought came. And I would guess. 
about two to three years into that, like Joseph's brothers said to their father, Father, we're going to die if we don't take care of this. And Joseph's fathers said, Go. Jacob said, Go to his sons. Go to the land of Egypt and buy corn. And it was not, that was a, that was a classic story. It was not just Jacob and his sons that went to Egypt to buy corn. Joseph's job was to open the storehouses and there were people from all over the world coming to Egypt to buy corn. Why? Because Joseph had stored up the corn. That's where the food was. And I'll tell you, when we get hungry, we do a lot of things that we normally wouldn't do. <clears throat> we'll travel many a mile to feed our mouths and to fill our tummies. Yes. I'm saying, I'm saying I'm struck with this. That the land of Egypt gained its value, had a value because of Joseph. And people sought after that. And not only that, not only that. The years that followed, and remember the story, when, when the Pharaoh that knew, when all the Pharaohs that knew Joseph passed from the scene, there was a Pharaoh that came, to, came into uh, power that looked at all those people, those Hebrews, those Israelites over there in, in, in Goshen, in the land of Goshen, my, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. You know, one of these days, they're going to multiply and they're going to become greater than us of the Egyptians and they'll overtake us. They'll overtake this good land that we've established. And then what about us? Oh, we better make them slaves. We better make them slaves. And you talk about having a political um, 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 ingenuity of mind, that Pharaoh had it. Yes, he did. He, had the, he put the children of Israel to work. He put them to work. They built equiducts. They built roads. They built cities. They built towers. They built all kinds of things for Pharaoh, for Egypt. And just thereby gaining the popularity of the world. And so I say the land of Egypt would have been no other, nothing special, nothing more than any other ground around had it not been for the children of Israel. You see, it was the, it was the land, it was the river Nile flowing through the land of Egypt. And the children of Israel were, were as slaves built, built equiducts or, or trenches or valleys, uh, Fingers off of the river Nile. And they, their, their dependence of their, of the prosperity of their crops was on the river Nile. That's why the Egyptians worshiped the Nile. Because when the Nile would, would flood, it would, it would flow out into those rivers and those, those, um, canals, those, those, um, ditches that, that the Israelites had built. They would, they would use those channels to irrigate their crops was a very prosperous land. Pharaoh had, had, had the vision and the foreknowledge and the 
the, the, the wherewithal to, to make this a prosperous land, to build the infrastructure. Now, we may not have thought about this in this relative way, but I'm simply bringing this to our attention for a reason. And again, let me emphasize that the land of Egypt was a prosperous land because of Joseph, number one, and because of the children of Israel, the Hebrews. And, and the advantages that, that the, the Egyptians used in, in using the Hebrews. And the Bible tells us that, that after a number of years, God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to take the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt because I hear their cryings day and night. I realize that the time came when they were out there in the wilderness that the children of Israel said to Moses, Moses, what are you doing with bringing us out here in this, in this barren land? Would to God we were back in the land of Egypt. And I say to myself, they surely could not have forgotten. They surely could not have forgotten their hard labor and the whips on their backs and their cryings of tears day and night to God to deliver them. Surely they didn't forget that. But beloved, sometimes on the journey to the land of Canaan, we cross the valleys. And yes, there's time when we look back. Wished we were there. I say to us, go in and possess the land. I don't know. Now, beloved, this morning I'm not talking about physical land. I'm not talking about the soil, the dirt out there on the ground. You well know that. I'm not talking about that. But I want to exhort us and encourage us in the spiritual journeys that God has placed us in. And I say again, go in and possess the land. Now the truth of it is, I'm a farmer at heart, and if God would say to me, Paul, there's some land over there, I want you to go over there and possess it, I'd probably leave right now and go. But the truth of it is, God hasn't given me that. But God has given us a land for us to go in and possess. I don't know what your Egypt has been like. I don't know what your wilderness experience has been like. But God is giving you a new land. And he wants you to go in and possess it. Going in, beloved, speaks of faith and of trust. You cannot possess the land if you don't go in it. You must go in it. You must go in and possess the land. Go in. Going in, it takes faith. It takes trust. And Moses is exhorting the children of Israel, go in and possess the land. We know the story well when they sent the spies in. The spies, 10 of those 12 spies came back and they said, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. We can. God has been marvelous. He has, been, he has done many wonderful works to us in the past. And Moses is saying, see it. He's reminding them how he brought them through the Red Sea. How he brought them through the wilderness experience. 
You've seen this. I'm not talking to your children that have not seen God's mighty works. I'm talking to you. You've seen these things with your own eyes. Now go in and possess the land. Oh, beloved, sometimes fear, pride, baggage, weight, sins that so easily beset us keep us from going in. It takes faith, it takes trust, it takes a belief in God that God is powerful, is more powerful than the giants that we will face. Yes, beloved, I'm not here preaching to us the gospel and saying you'll never face any difficulties, you'll never face any giants. Beloved, there's a lot of giants out there, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes, indeed. Go in, go in. Takes faith and trust in the mighty power of God. And once we get in there, don't just stand around. Don't just look at it. Don't just think, wow, this is great. This is a wonderful land. But go in and possess it. Go in and possess it. Now, the word simply means that. Go in and possess it. It's mine. It's a gift. Lay hold of it. It's not someone else. It's not rented ground. It's not even borrowed ground. There's no lien against it. There's no mortgage holder. It's yours. Take it. It's yours. It's a gift. Use it. Possess it. Make it yours. Go in. And possess. I'm making reference to our spiritual walk. Again I say I don't know what 2011 has been like for us. And I don't have any guarantees for 2012. But I'm encouraging us to go in and possess the land. The spiritual land. God has given us a land that has not been conquered. God has given us many good things. I want to encourage us to go in and possess the land. It takes faith and trust. It takes a possession of 2012. You must claim within your heart that God is with us because of His love. He directs us. He guides us. And He will give us that good land flowing with milk and honey. Go in and possess it. Now, what kind of a land are we going to possess? I want to take us to verse 10 through 12. Again, let me read there. Moses is very explicit about what kind of a land they are to go in and possess. says, therefore, the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence he came out, where thou sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh rain, water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God careth for, The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. 
Number one, we see what kind of a land we are to go in to possess. It's not like Egypt. It's not like Egypt. Now, while Egypt was a good land, and while Egypt was built up and was a prosperous land, God is giving something much, much better. And sometimes, let me repeat, sometimes in the journey to the land of Canaan, we, we face the valleys and the mountains and the Red Seas and the hunger and the thirst. And we look back to Egypt and we long to be there. And we fail to realize that God is taking us on a journey to a land that is far better, far better than Egypt ever, ever, ever could have been. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that, beloved. Words could hardly express what the land of Canaan was like. The land that they were to go in and possess. Moses said it's not like the land of Egypt. And he gives some explanation there. From whence ye came out, where thou sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. Yeah, there was a time when they looked back and they wanted to, they so wanted to eat, lay their teeth into those cucumbers and garlic and those wonderful things that they experienced back there. <clears throat> you see, Egypt having those water veins that I talked about, they had ground there that was productive, but it had to be watered. And we have areas in, in, in around here that, that are as well that way. Um, we have ditches, mainly ditches around here to drain the water. But there are places where they use the ditches to, to, ir, to irrigate as well. And there's many a good ground that produces fruit if it has an ample rain or ample water. But it takes water. Some, this is another famous farmer saying is rain makes grain. And you, you have to have rain to produce a crop. And so Egypt was planted. They, they planted the seed and they watered the seed. They watered, irrigated out of those aqueducts and, and streams and valleys and so forth out in the ditches and so forth. And uh, it, it's interesting that, he's, that he says there, and waters it with thy foot. And this is, then I did some digging. Uh, well, what? That's a kind of a strange way to water is with your foot. And I don't know if I have this right, but it seems to me, from what I understand, it seems to me that there were water augers or water elevators that would take them from the Nile or the streams, the, the ditches that they dug, and would pump it into other um, irrigation fingers. And that's how they would irrigate their crops. So it, it, they had to pump it, basically, in our terminology. They would pump the water from the river into their fields to irrigate their crops. 
And how was that done? What well, was done by slavery? Remember, the Hebrews were slaves. Now, boys, how would you like it to be out there on the on this treadmill? And, and I, I, I hope I have this right. But the way I understand it is that there was kind of a like a bicycle wheel and that would that would auger or elevate the water or pump the water from the river into the irrigation fingers. You would sit there for 10, 12 hours a day. I'm just guessing, okay? I'm just making this up. But you would sit there for 12 hours and pedal that thing. You would pedal and pedal and pedal and pump the water up there. Pump the water into the irrigation system. And some Egyptian would come along and say, Son, what? Pedal a little faster. And he would crack you on the, on the back with a whip. That's how bad it was. That's what the children of Israel were doing. Well, it was their sustenance. It was, it was the way they were able to feed their families and so forth. And, of course, they made the Egyptians wealthy. Pharaoh got filthy rich off of the Hebrews. Never forget that. The land of Egypt was wealthy because of the Hebrews' slavery. <clears throat> I guess that's what kings do. But let's not forget that. <clears throat> this, is, this is a land not like the land of Egypt. You don't have to water it. You don't have to even plant your seed. There were... Remember when the spies come back from the land of Canaan and they were carrying between two men this cluster of grapes? That's what God is talking about. <clears throat> well, let me move on. It says, secondly... But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys. Now, I don't know what we think about when we think about a land of hills and valleys. But in the natural sense, the hills bring the rain. And um, now we could say, we could, say, we could use this analogy of, of, of the hills and the valleys in our spiritual lives. And I'm not saying we would do violence to the Scriptures to do that. In fact, it's a good possibility that God will take us to a land with hills and valleys. It's not like the land of Egypt that's flat and barren unless you sow it and you water it. But this land bears fruit of its own. This land... You don't have to irrigate it. It'll be watered from heaven. <clears throat> you see, it's the valleys. It's in the valleys where the fertile soil is. My father-in-law said, now I used the natural illustration, but he was talking about his spiritual walk with the Lord. And just the experiences that he's went through the past year. He says the best crops are growing in the valley. I trust 
I trust that my father-in-law, in fact, I know, I know that my wife's family uh, will bear fruit from that valley experience. That's what I'm talking about, beloved. That's the land that God wants us to go in and possess. Notice another thing. It's a land where it rains. You don't have to irrigate it. It rains there. And, beloved, let me just remind you that when times, when it's raining, there's a cloud overhead and it, it, it blocks the, the sunshine. And so, beloved, in this good land that God calls us to go in and possess isn't always sunshine. There'll be some rainy days. There'll be some times when it's a bit cloudy. But just remember that the sun is still shining above the clouds. Now, if you've flown an airplane, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's a beautiful sight. I love it. I love when it's raining, has this drizzling winter, all, all, all day, just miserable rain, we call it. And you, you hop into an airplane and you take off down the runway. And of course, things clear off because of the, because of the, the aerodynamics and so forth. And, and you pierce into those clouds. You have no clue where you're going. I mean, everything is just thick around you. And all of a sudden, there's a bright light up ahead. You think somebody turned the lights on bright. No, you split above the clouds and, and, and it's the sun that's shining up there. And as, as the airplane leaves the clouds and, and rises above that, you look out over the clouds and you see these wavy clouds. Above. Oh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, glorious sight. Yes, it's a land where it rains. Notice also that it's a land that God cares for. And I don't know what we think about when we think about that. You know, is it... Our time is going. Is it, is it saying that God doesn't care about other land? Is it saying that God didn't care about the land of Egypt? Is it saying that God didn't care about the land of the wilderness? No, no, beloved, it's not saying that at all. It is saying the same as it is to Abraham and to his seed after him. Ian spoke, uh, Leon spoke to us this morning about God's love and his ever, uh, to every person. Now, is it saying that God loved Abraham more than all the other human beings on the face of the earth? Is it, is it that God loved Israel above all nations? No. No, in fact, God reminded the children of Israel through Moses saying that, 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 be careful, be careful. I have not chosen you because of your goodness, but because I want to show my greatness. And so it is true, and I want to reiterate again, that God does not love you because you're such a good person. Sorry, didn't mean to slap us, but that's how it is. God loves you because he's, it's, it's, it's His very character. He wants to love you. He has decided to love you. 
And so God, God has special things. God is like parents. They love their children. They love their children. But there's times when they want to do something special. And so they gather the family around. We're going to just do something special tonight. We want to go to this place. We want to do this thing. Does it mean that that particular place is more important than any other place in the world? No, no. It just simply is saying that that's an expression of God's love. And it's an expression of God's mighty power and his jealousy of himself. He wants a people that glorifies him. That loves him. That keeps all of his commandments. It is a land that God cares for. God cares for it in a special way. The other interesting thing is that God's eyes are on this land. God's eyes are on its land. On this land, it says, from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. Now, beloved, let me ask you the question. Which would you like? Would you like the land of Egypt? Or do you want the good land that God is giving you? You want a land where you have to plant the seed, where you have to irrigate, where you have to gather in the crops and hoe the weeds and all of those kinds of things? Or do you want a land that you're able to walk through and enjoy the rains, enjoy the sunshine, and pick up the fruit to the bounty of the land? Where your cattle are out on the grass that you did not plant. Oh, beloved, do you want a land that is concerned about Pharaoh in Egypt? Or do you want a land that God cares for? You want a land where God's eyes are on this land from the year beginning to the year end. Beloved, there's no question where I want to be. There's no question where I want to be. And so Moses says, go in and possess the land. Why are we diddadding around and messing around in Egypt and the wilderness? Go in and possess the land. I'm talking again about our spiritual walk. Go in and possess the land. Well, I know it's time to close, but let me just, let me just bring this together. There's a few other things that I want to just briefly point out. There's something, there's something in this passage that, we, that, that I believe is important for us to look at. And this is a maintaining God's blessing. You love and you serve Him. Uh, you, you, uh, you stay with Him you, and you turn not aside. You, you, you don't worship other gods, but you, you wholly serve the Lord God. You maintain that blessing of God. What does it take? We see, I see three steps in verses 18 through 20. Number one, lay up God's word in your heart. He says, therefore, shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontless between your eyes. Lay up God's word in your heart. How do we do that? We bind them. 
We bind them. Thereby, beloved, we are maintaining the blessing of God when we lay up God's word in our heart. Secondly, I see them teaching to your children. Teach them your children. Speaking of them, how do we do that? We speak of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down when thou risest up. All the time we're talking about God's goodness. We're talking about the mighty works that God did. We keep that in front of our children. We teach them God's word. What else do we do? We see in verse 20, And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and upon thy gates. The passageway coming in and out is covered with God's word. God's word. The importance of God's word. Yes, beloved, we must lay it up in our hearts. We must lay it up. We must gather it in as the bounty of the fruit of the land. We must gather it in. We must lay it up and teach it to our children and write it down. Write it down. Write Bible verses down. Some of you have a, have a greater um, knack at that than some of us, but, but write it down. Write those promises of God's word. Write them down. <clears throat> write down the commands of God's word. Keep it, lay it up. Well, then we see also a blessing and a curse. And beloved, it's very, very simple. Very simple. Moses says in verse 26 through 28, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. Simple as that. There's a choice that you and I make in, the, in receiving a blessing or a curse. Now, now we've said this, that many a time, many a person, many a person thinks that, well, we can take scriptures like this and we see, yep, yep, just see. If we obey God, we keep all His laws, then we will receive His blessings. And I mean, we will be able to sit down at tables filled with plenty of food. And we'll have big bank accounts and all those. All of our needs will be met. All of our wants and our desires. No, 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 no such thing. The gospel does not tell us that. Now, let me just say very briefly here. That there can be, and many times there are, blessings in the midst of a catastrophe. There are blessings in the midst of losing your health. There are blessings, I say this with love to you, Ian and Gloria, your family, there's blessings in losing a child. There's blessings in losing our homes. There's blessings in losing our loved ones. You say, Paul, quit. Why do you say that? Beloved, I'm not talking about monetary and physical blessings. I'm talking about ways in which the church was able to minister to Ian and Gloria in a way that we would not have had, had that opportunity not been presented. 
there's a way, there's a blessing in my wife's family that they experienced had mom not gone through what she did. I don't understand those ways. And really it's not for me to figure them out either. You and I must simply trust we must go in and possess the land. We must simply walk by faith and trust in Him. Put our hands in the hand of the Eternal Father and allow Him to lead us. He's giving us better, something better than Egypt. Much better. Much better. May we obey Him. May we love Him. Serve him. Moses sums up all the arguments of obedience in two words, the blessing and the curse. He charged the people to choose which they would have. Moses then appointed a public and solemn proclamation of the blessing and curse to be made upon the two mountains of Gizrim, Gerizim, and Abel. We have broken the law and are under its curse without remedy for us from ourselves. And mercy, the gospel again sets before us a blessing and a curse. A blessing if we obey the call to repentance, to faith in Christ and newness of heart and life through Him. An awful curse if we neglect so great salvation. Let us thankfully welcome these glad tidings of great joy and let us not harden our hearts but hear this voice of God, what it is called today. And while He invites us to come to Him unto, upon a mercy seat, let us be diligent to make our calling and election sure. Let us kneel to pray. <clears throat> our gracious and loving eternal Father, we thank You again for this opportunity to be exposed to Your Word. Thank You for the exhortations of Moses of old. How He exhorted the children of Israel to go in and possess the land. And Father, the spiritual analogy that we can take from that and just, just minister to our own hearts, Father. As we look in the future, we pray, Father, your blessing, your guidance and direction upon every heart and soul. Father, that we might determine to walk in your ways and obey your commandments, to love you and to serve you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Give you our all and thereby incite your blessing upon us. Father, we pray and ask that you would just continue to show us bit by bit the great blessings you have in store for us. And Father, as we reflect on the past, we pray, O oh God, that you would encourage us and, and strengthen us in the ways that you have been so faithful to us. Thank you, Father, for the good land that you've given us and called us to go in and possess. The greatest thing about it, Father, is, is, not, is not the fact that it, that it has hills and valleys and it rains upon it, but that you care for it and your eyes are upon it always. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we can walk in that path. Bless us to that end, O oh, Father. For your praise and glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.